You're listening to chapter one, getting it right. I was not leaving the South to forget the South, but so that someday I might understand it. An excerpt from Richard Wright's 1954 memoir, Black Boy. I was just like, well, whatever happens, it's supposed to happen. You know, we thought about like, what if we go into labor on the road? We packed a bag, you know, he packed a um, a delivery bag, three bags of like pads and stuff in case, you know, I go into labor in the car, Um, just all the supplies that we would need. That was the best we could do was to like, try to prepare to have a baby on the road. And if just worst case scenario, like, yeah, we would go to a hospital, but that was just gonna have to be Absolutely, 100% necessary, last worst case scenario. It was the summer of 2020, and eight months pregnant and recently evicted from their home in Tempe, Arizona, in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, Shayla Brown and her husband Eric made the decision to move back to where their beginning began, Mississippi. Both in their early 30s, Shayla and Eric were already the parent of four young boys, Samuel, Jeremiah, Messiah, and David. They initially moved to Tempe in 2015 because Eric started naturopathic medical school because he wanted to help people look at their health in holistic and integrated ways. And Shayla quickly found work as a certified birth doula, both with private clients and with the local Healthy Start program. But in 2019, Eric decided to withdraw from school. Over those four years, he had taken several leaves of absences, repeated a few courses, and even racked up nearly $200,000 in student debt. But that last semester, after coming just shy of a passing grade, Eric realized that his dream of becoming a naturopathic doctor was just too much for his family to bear. The upside to this, however, is that this new change allowed him to focus on his job at a local drug rehab clinic where he had just been promoted to a case manager. And around this time, Shayla took a pause from birth work to focus on the boys, life at home, and the new baby on the way. So as you can imagine, the couple was juggling a lot. Shayla and Eric were like so many of us, busy with our lives, with our daily routines, when the federal government declared COVID-19 a national emergency on March 13th, 2020. The number of cases in our state is going up. The Arizona Department of Health Services is reporting there are now 44 cases of COVID-19 in our state. As you know, Arizona has community spread of COVID-19. There is a heightened level of risk, and because of this, Arizonans should continue to exercise precautions. Early hopes that the extreme heat would keep the Valley of the Sun safe from COVID-19 are gone. For weeks now, the greater Phoenix area has reported among the highest rate of COVID-positive tests of any place on the planet. As the months went by, the Browns tried their best to keep things moving forward. They never fell behind on rent payments and were even able to continue saving for their first home. But Shayla and Eric quickly found themselves amongst the 40 million other Americans at the time, especially Black folks, who are now suddenly vulnerable to being evicted. When summer arrived, their landlord hit them with a 30-day eviction notice. The rhythm they'd established with work, raising their kids, and preparing for their future, well, all of it came to a sudden halt. So I was still working during all this. I had just, at my job, I had just gotten them to give me the necessary equipment to work from home. 
I think only a week of that was actually spent at home proper. And then after that, I was spending all of the time on the road, either looking at apartments or trying to put in an application or get some um, get some information. Um, and I remember like like one time I remember specifically being in a rental office or, or rental agent's office and waiting on them to process my paperwork and everything and then turning around and trying to quietly um, document the notes for my social work job into my phone so I could get it into the app, but trying to be quiet enough where I'm not, you know, releasing anyone's information or anything, running to the car to get my folder while she's processing everything. And like, I'm literally working in the middle of the rental agent's office during a pandemic, trying to find somewhere to be other than uh, having to move home. The couple eventually appealed the eviction, citing the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's eviction moratorium. While this bought them a bit more time to figure things out, according to Eric, their landlord kept upping the rent each month, and this took a huge toll on their savings, making it harder for them to move just about anywhere else in town. But in August 2020, they got their final eviction notice. There were no more appeals to make, so this time, they really did have to go. It was a lot to take in. The pandemic, the eviction, what it all meant for their family, and the new baby on the way. It just always feels like whenever we're pregnant, something, something catastrophic is happening. And it just felt like another one of those things. But after accepting it, I started to see the good things about it. Like, okay, well, now instead of that virtual shower I was about to have, maybe I can have some family around me when I have the baby shower. Um, and the baby. And the baby, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can more so make this experience what I want it to be. But trying to explain it to their boys, well, that was a little different. In hindsight, I probably didn't have enough conversations. I don't know. But we did talk to them about it uh, multiple times. Um, they're they're all very young. So only the top two, only uh, Sammy and Jeremiah are really old enough to kind of get what's going on and ask those you know, kitty follow-up questions. Everyone else just gives you the blank stare like, okay, like whatever. So it was such a quick turnaround that all of the conversations were like um, in a moment of them asking us, what are we doing? Or what, what are you looking at on the computer? Or what are these boxes for? And just explaining to them, okay, well, we're gonna go home to Mississippi. One night in late August, the Browns did just that. They set out on a 25-hour car ride from Arizona back to Columbus, Mississippi. We started uh, at like midnight one night. I think it was almost 11 or midnight one night. And that's after packing all that evening, all that day. Uh, we just packed everything into the car, just kept going until we could fit as much as we could. And then it was a debate of whether to wait till the next day or not. And I just, I guess I just wanted to keep rolling. I didn't want to try to find a place to sleep in the house with none of our stuff in it and everything. It was like, okay, everything's in the car. Let's just leave right now, you know, just rip it off. So we kind of, we left a lot of stuff as it was, threw the keys in the back and, and left around midnight. Pandemic or not, for many, a long drive with four boys and the chance of going into labor at any moment would be a serious recipe for anxiety. But Shayla decided to make the best of it. Then I was like, okay, well, this will be a fun road trip. You know, I tried to look at it like that. Like our family is taking a road trip across country. This is going to be fun, <laughs> you know. Um, 
And, you know, I thought about ways to make it fun for the kids, like things to point out, um, you know, they can see different landscapes that they had never seen before. Um, just I thought about it, try to think about it as an adventure and try to paint it like that for them. By sunrise, Arizona was already behind them. We didn't hit a lot of states. The states were all so long. Like, there was New Mexico, and then there was Texas forever. So there weren't as many sites as I'd hoped. <laughs> I don't know what I thought. I thought maybe we'd be driving past the world's largest gumball or something, but that didn't happen, <laughs> you know? Um, but what, one thing I do remember, particularly when we got to Texas, there were a lot of windmills that they saw, and they were really excited about that. Because I feel like we had talked about wind or windmills or wind power or something like that. And so they got to see um, windmills, and that really uh, stuck out. While Eric was behind the wheel, Shayla tended to Samuel, Jeremiah, and Messiah in the back seat, making sure they were settled and eating from the cooler full of sandwiches and fresh fruit. The trip also gave them a chance to catch up on audiobooks by ta Coates and Michelle Obama, which helped to pass the time some. But the drive inevitably took its toll on a very pregnant Shayla, who found it difficult to take care of herself while also holding on tight to baby David in the front seat. Well, my feet, my feet were swelling pretty bad. Like, um, I was trying not to, you know, trying to stay hydrated, but I also didn't want us to be, like, stopping every five seconds. You know, I'm already super pregnant and, you know, got to pee. But, you know, trying to stay hydrated and keep going at the same time, you know, it was kind of hard. Um, but other than that, I, I can say I felt okay. I mean, you know, sitting for that long wasn't, wasn't easy, but, you know, I still had a very small child next to me. Like, David was just barely one, and and he also was not reacting very well to the drive, so he was kind of puking a lot. So I was probably more focused on that. Well, yeah. when when they started puking, I felt, <laughs> I felt like that was a moment when <laughs> maybe things could be going off the rails. <laughs> Uh, you know, like it wasn't just David, uh, I think Messiah and yeah, Messiah puked and Jeremiah puked too. Yeah, I remember that. But David puked repeatedly and, uh, you know, people having to use the bathroom and he, like I said, it's a pandemic. So we're, we're literally stopping everywhere, like along the way where this is the opposite of distancing and quarantining. Um, so not wanting to take them in any more, uh, gas station truck stop bathrooms than we had to and like that yeah to me it felt you know i guess we knew it would come to an end at some point but it was like man this sucks bad and we didn't know if we were gonna have to stop and get like a hotel and wait a week or like we didn't know what was gonna happen driving back home under these circumstances in a rush without the accomplishments they'd hoped for and with little money in their savings None of it was what Shayla and Eric had in mind when they thought about what their eventual return home would look like. But as the drive continued, they started realizing that the move back home to rural Mississippi wasn't such a bad idea. The Grand Canyon State wasn't so grand after all. Uh, I feel safer, honestly, raising my Black boys in a rural area than I did when I was in a city because it's harder to move around with that many kids um, by yourself. And then there are just always people making, just a lot more non-Black people, first of all, around. And they're always making really odd and strange comments um, that just don't make you feel safe with your children. 
um, they walk up to them and touch them. Like it happened a lot in Arizona. And then kids would just come up missing all the time. So that was extremely scary, getting Amber Alerts on my phone all the time with some kid missing. Um, so trying to get out and move with my children was a lot harder. You could tell that people wanted our children. Um, you could tell that people thought we weren't doing a good enough job. You could tell that people had pegged her as a welfare queen when she was putting the kids on the free bus to take them to the park. And it wasn't just Tempe. At one point, Shayla and Eric had also given Memphis a go too. Just as in Arizona, even though the quantity of resources like museums, parks, and libraries were abundant, the quality of their experiences in those spaces left a lot to be desired. And on top of it all, they didn't have much luck making friends. The friends that I thought we were making were gone at this point. We didn't make those friends. Um, every uh, connection or, or community we tried to join, it just wasn't working out. We have tried to make relationships with other couples, with other uh, individuals in other places that we've lived. And what we found is just that our warmth is what has been called sometimes has been either too much or just off-putting or um, whatever happened is just we you know things didn't connect the way we wanted um, and I was a little disappointed in those people too so I think that it's not that city people aren't nice people but is that we have a different pace a different pace of speaking a different pace of dealing a different pace of planning things so Tennessee wasn't a fit Arizona wasn't a fit. And nearing the birth of their fifth child, Shayla and Eric decided that home might actually be the best fit for them. Um, it feels like uh, a place that's really made for raising family. Um, I don't say that a city is not for that, but I will say I'm not cut to do it in a city. I don't think, I don't think that's where I thrive. <laughs> Rainy, lush, and hilly compared to the rest of the state, Columbus, Mississippi is an old Dixie Railroad town right on the border with Alabama. Its claim to fame during the Civil War was as a medical hub for the Confederacy. Today, it's home to a major Air Force base, and its largest high school until recently was still named after Confederate General Robert E. Lee. Columbus is a town of about 24,000 people. The way Eric describes it, it's always been predominantly black and white, with black folks making up more than 60% of the population. Not all the white folks are rich, and not all the black folks are poor, though they are more likely to live below the poverty line. A lot of people there hold jobs at the regional airport or at manufacturing plants. Columbus was definitely different than Tempe in many ways, and on the long drive, Eric and Shayla had plenty of time to think about all of this, to reminisce about where and how they grew up, and the simple things that make home, home. For me, because I am from possibly one of the most rural places on, well, in the United States. Um, and, and then even from that place, I'm from a rural place inside of that place. So for me, it's dirt roads and lots of land, just open flat land, fields, um, no stoplights whatsoever. 
I think technically where I grew up, it's called Decent, Mississippi, but the zip code was from Duncan, Mississippi. And then when we had a landline, the area code was Shelby, Mississippi. And then we were in Rosedale School District. Um, and we were also close to Clarksdale, Mississippi. So those places, I guess. I think waking up to uh, birds chirping, I think about that fresh, wet smell in the morning um, is something enlivening and inspiring about it. Um, I think about people talking for a very long time when they have somewhere to be about things that aren't important. I think about, you know, like that's what makes the rural area what it is, is that everything slows down and there's, a, there's more of a focus on quality than quantity. So living in a rural area, you're just more free. Like nobody is telling you you can't burn things. You know, you you just you want to start a fire, you start a fire. You know, um, you want to I don't know, dig a hole right here, you dig a hole right here. Like it, it was just it's just a lot freer. Growing up, Shayla and her siblings spent a lot of time with their maternal grandmother on the same land her mother, aunts, and uncles were raised on. Uh, we lived with my grandma for a while, and then my mom brought bought a, a trailer, and we, or a, I don't know, double wide, or whatever you want to call it, and we lived across the, the street, the road <laughs> from her, um, and that's how I grew up. Um, we spent a lot of time outside, making mud pies, climbing trees. Um, we spent a lot of time at home with my grandmother while my mother was um, working to get her degree to become a cosmetologist. My, my siblings and I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. After my grandmother passed away, we spent a lot of time at my mother's hair salon. And it was a central part of the community. Like it was a, she was a, she was an entrepreneur in the community and she was one of the main ones. So we spent a lot of time there getting to know her clients. And build a community that way, I think, now that I think about it. We met a lot of people there, uh, made a lot of connections there, um, learned, you know, Black woman culture <laughs> there, uh, people getting their hair done for different events, whether it was funerals or weddings or prom. While Shayla had the salon, Eric had the church. And within his faith community is where he spent most of his time outside of the home as a child. Uh, I grew up Pentecostal, so we were in church not exaggerated, five days a week. Um, yeah, so church all the time. My mom is not from this part of Mississippi. My dad is from Columbus and his family is from Columbus. Um, but he, you know, he deals with them, well, we dealt with them sparingly. So it was mostly like church family all the time. I remember reading, um, reading Richard Wright's Black Boy. He described a church service and uh, he described it in such a sensual way that it was hard to not feel like you were there. And the way he described that church service, it was like perfect. I was like, oh, there is somebody else who knows, but he's also a black man from Mississippi. So maybe we had the same experiences, but that's what, those are my fondest memories. I remember thinking the first time I saw Good Times and the, the painting at the end, I remember thinking, oh, that's just like church. Those Sundays where the music would go up and people would, <laughs> People would fall out and start spinning and start screaming and cry out all of their emotions from situations that I learned about later in adulthood and um, and just jump for joy or celebrate with another person on something that would be so small to someone else. They felt completely safe, like that was a safe space before we were talking about safe spaces. And so those are my fondest memories of 
all of those days. Speaking of the South, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Black Belt Voices. And if you're looking for a podcast about martial arts, let me tell you, this ain't it. Hosted by Adina J. White, Kara Wilkins, and Katrina Dupins, Black Belt Voices tell stories from and about Black folks down South that honor our history, celebrate our culture, and shape our future. You can look forward to first-person narratives and interviews from the innovators, the disruptors, the local legend, and the up-and-comers, all of whom are living in, loving, and thriving in the Black South. You can listen and subscribe to Black Belt Voices wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the show. Long before Shayla and Eric were married, let alone parents, Shayla and Eric were just two college students at the University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg. Their communities grew well beyond the church and the salon, pulling them closer into each other's orbit. As fate would have it, their paths finally crossed on New Year's Day 2010 while they were both studying abroad in Jamaica. Uh, I saw her, she looked good, and she was coming towards me. And that, you know, from my life as a church boy gamer in Mississippi, I didn't get a lot of that. So she was, you know, this pretty girl was walking towards me. So I was like, you know, it's Jamaica, you know, turn it on. First time I remember seeing him, we were going to our first activity. I think it was a, a waterfall that we were supposed to, Dunn's River Falls, that we were supposed to be climbing. And me and this other girl, we we're freaking out. We're like, our hair's got to get wet, you know? How, <laughs> I don't know. These people don't understand. We can't just get our hair wet, you know? Like, we're, we're freaking out about that. And then, um, you know, we learned that we have to share these lockers or whatever to get, to put our things in. And I think he had a locker. And he was like, you guys can, you know, share my locker. And so I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. But, you know, sharing a locker with him. And then when it was time to go, I was hungry and I needed my my money. <laughs> and he had the key to the locker and I couldn't find him. And she was mad. I was hungry. And I'm like, I didn't got my hair wet. I didn't climbed up this waterfall. You know, I don't do these kinds of things. I, I don't even know how I got here. I should have went home the first day. Like, and now I'm hungry, you know, and... He said, he said that he was looking at me like, you know, oh, she's cute. And I'm thinking like, where is my money? Because <laughs> I'm hungry. That's when she was, I guess, like on my radar because I didn't, some kind of way I hadn't seen her until that second day that we were there. So uh, once I did see her, then I was looking for her. And that's, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And over the next 10 years, Shayla and Eric would graduate from college, get engaged, get married, and have babies of their own. They even left Mississippi for a fresh start in Tennessee and Arizona at different points. And yet, these places never really quite felt like home for them. So after two very full days of travel, the Browns were just happy to finally be back in Columbus. I kind of felt like there's a scene from a movie where I think these little kids were in a car with some really crazy driver. And then when they landed, they just kind of fell out. She fell out of the van and like started kissing the ground. That's kind of how I felt like, oh, God, we made it. Oh, you know, like I just felt, yeah, relieved because the, you know, we got the kids here in one piece. I just felt like we made it. I didn't even think past that. I was just happy to be stopping and getting out of the car. 
adjusting back to rural life would allow Shayla and Eric a degree of privacy and freedom unlike anywhere else. As homeschoolers, they would be able to provide a fuller learning experience for their boys. And with so much physical space around them, roaming and being rambunctious in nature easily became a part of the boys' day-to-day too. Lessons about things like food and how it's cultivated, natural remedies and nourishing the body, plus care for the earth and the environment, all of it was at their fingertips. And to be able to actually show, rather than just tell the boys about it, was everything for Shayla and Eric. Life just provides so much more, uh, so much more richness, so much more resources. Like we just go outside and now science, there's actual life there. You know, there are trees, there are birds, there are bugs, you know, things that I really think boys need. Things that I had growing up, mud, you know. So having five boys, I think I just, it's way easier to raise them in a rural area where there's space and um, land and fresh air. I, I appreciate that. We're able to connect our boys to things that we have only told them about so far. Um, so I, I've told them about how much it rains in Mississippi. You know, when we were in Arizona waiting on October to see like three or four days of rain, uh, I told them it rains all the time in Mississippi and all, all of the things that go with that. So do flowers grow more? So are there fish there? Are there, yes, and there are these uh, monsters called mosquitoes there. And there are, like, I can show them all these real things that I've told them that so far have only been fairy tales to them. Now, like, my boys are really into tornadoes and we're in a tornado area. So as scary as it can be when you're sitting there like, oh God, I hope, you know, we don't get a tornado. They get to see on the news, oh, there's a tornado watch. There's a tornado warning, tornadoes happen here. Or now it's fall, the leaves are changing and they fall on the ground and now it's winter. We take them outside for an hour and it's like, we don't have to pull out anything. No basketballs or need nothing. It's kind of funny, little phrases and euphemisms the old folks used to say, Shayla now finds herself repeating and passing along to her own boys. I might say something like, tell my kids to hurry up, you're moving slower than molasses in the wintertime, you know? And then I said that and out loud, I'm like, okay, <laughs> that might not be something that everybody says, you know what I mean? Um, that's, that's a home thing. This home thing was crucial for Shayla and Eric. And not just home meaning Mississippi, but the homes they actually lived in. They had home births for three of their four boys, including Samuel, who was born right there in Eric's parents' home. And that was also the plan for their fifth son, Eric Jr. Moving back home offered Eric a new perspective on their situation. Despite the uncertainties that laid ahead, he was just thankful for his parents for welcoming him, Shayla, and the boys with open arms. First and foremost is giving us secure housing. Um, you know, I, this is not ideal. I'm not okay with it. But I'm also blessed because it's been very secure. It hasn't been turmoil. They haven't been pushing us to do more or um, expecting us to contribute or any of those things. They've been so, so, so great. So great. Um, but they've also, you know, pitched in and like helped out. And they did that with the first birth. And the reason I'm grateful for that is because they aren't all the way on board with all of our natural philosophies, but they love us and they're willing to do what they can or what feels good to them to do to help us. More than anything, 
After enduring the early months of the pandemic, after being evicted, after driving across five states while being very pregnant, finally arriving at home in every sense of the word gave Shayla and Eric the chance to have the birthing experience they always wanted and the chance to raise their boys at home on their terms. I felt like it was us actually taking our choice back because in between the first one and the middle ones, there was just all this uncertainty. Were we having too many kids? Are we having them too close together? Are we ruining our lives, you know? Uh, and so by the time we got to EJ, we had answers on all of these questions. So we were a lot more sure and we were, we had kind of decided that we we're gonna celebrate this and that this is a good thing. It was like, this is our last chance to actually have a positive experience from bookend to bookend on, on having a baby. And I think that's the project that we undertook when we saw the red line. Coming up next, Shayla and Eric's story continues. And we're also on the road with two new parents, Ciara and Anasia. They left city life behind to start new lives, one of them in Iowa and the other in Hawaii. 